was chatting to someone this week about their driving theory test. Has anyone here taken a driving theory test? Arms up, go on, up high. Keep your hands up if you took it twice. Oh, guys. I was talking to someone this week who was due to have her fourth driving theory test. I know. And um, she really wanted to pass this time. Her family were praying, her friends were praying, her friends and her family were texting other people to get them to pray. Um, and I was just chatting to her about it uh, the night before she did it, or very soon before she did it. And she was saying, the problem is they ask these questions that trick you. They don't ask you questions to help you thrive and let you show how much you know. You know, she knows the whole highway code. She knows it. She's going to be a great driver. Um, but the questions are there to confuse you, get you confused by numbers, mess you around, stop you believing that you can do it, um, not to help you, you know, show that you're a good driver. And um, we're, we're looking at a Bible story this week, which is a, a story where Jesus is, is being asked these questions that actually aren't necessarily designed for him to thrive. They're designed for him to, you know, to try and trick him out. And, um, oh, she did pass her, drive, her driving theory test, fourth time. Really exciting. Um, so we had some jumping for joy after that. Um, anyway, but Jesus is not having a driving theory test in our passage. So this is the last week of Jesus' life. Um, he's ridden into Jerusalem on a donkey. Crowds are super excited about what he's going to do. Maybe he's going to be the next um, leader of the Jews. Maybe he's going to change things for them. And he does change things for them, but not quite in the way they're expecting. Um, and he spends a lot of time in the temple this week. And this is one of the passages in a temple. He's... Um, he's in the temple, and in the temple, he had a lot of things to say in the temple. Some things good and some things bad. The temple's meant to be about worship and relationship with God. And he has some hard things to say because actually in the temple, that, that wasn't the principal thing that was happening. He goes to the temple and he sees actually that there are people selling things um, for the sacrifices and for the, the rituals that you had to do. But they're selling them at, at prices designed to exploit those who are poor, those who have come because they need God's help. They're being exploited in the temple. And... Um, money and financial gain have become more important and people were picking over the different um, laws rather than being excited about God's presence and being excited about God was there. They were um, not doing that. And he comes to the temple and he meets the religious leaders and it's not quite like now, religious leaders in those days, because the leaders in the temple in Jerusalem they used to sit around and debate. So now if we want to know something about God we tend to like go to Google or um, whatever it might be. Maybe we've got a learned pastor who's been to university to study some stuff. Um, but in those days, the leaders and the teachers and the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which are all different names for Jewish leaders, um, used to sit around and chat. And Jesus has a chance to go and sit with them and chat with them. And to start with, they ask him some really difficult questions, some diff questions to make him um, say something about politics that's going to get him in trouble or say something about the law that's going to turn the crowd against him. Um, and then finally, we have a more sympathetic teacher, someone who's been listening to Jesus and actually can see truth in what he's doing. And this is the question that the sympathetic teacher asks him. Let's have the passage. So this is from Mark 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. 
Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And then from, no, from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Jesus answers brilliantly and simply. He knows his Bible. He knows his scriptures. And he's able to just break the atmosphere of all these strives sort of picking on him and trying to get to catch him out. Actually to speak real truth and to speak um, something really clear. And then there's no more challenges after that. And actually Jesus gets a chance then to, to speak into people's lives and to lead people and to tell them about what God's got for them, which is exciting. And Jesus answers... Um, basically to say that it's about a relationship and not the rules. He says it's all about love. Love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the core of all these rules that these scribes and Pharisees have got um, so, so in, involved in and into the details of. That's actually the core of it. And he quotes two passages of scripture, the first of which actually is a really famous one that the Jews would have said multiple times a day. They, they'd know these, these scriptures. They know these scriptures. We're actually going to think about this passage for two weeks. So you'll have a slightly more love the Lord your God vibe this week. And then if you come back next week, you'll get the love your neighbor as yourself. But they do overlap, and we'll see that as we go. And I think at the heart, at the core of all that God has ever said to us in this truth is that we are created to love. The greatest commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And we're created to love. We're born into families um, who are, who are connected to us. We want to connect to them. We naturally form friendships. We thrive in community. We see that, don't we? When community is working well, people thrive being connected to each other. When children are, are, are born into families that can nurture them well, they thrive on that connection. That's how their brains form right. That's how they learn to live. Um, when friendships are working well, if you, some of you are teachers, when friendships are working well, you'll see children thriving in school and I guess in the workplace as well. And we, we long for connection. It's my little person with two arms out. We long for connection. We long to have people connected to us. Um, and one little alpha story, someone who um, came on our alpha course last term got to the end of the course, and he said, you know what, the alpha course has made me realize that I'm definitely an atheist. We were like, great, that's fantastic. Um, it's been really nice to have you with us. But, he said, I'd love to come and keep meeting with this group and study the Bible with them. And actually, that's not necessarily about God for him. I mean, maybe God's doing, I'm sure God is doing stuff, something for him there. But actually, that's about the connection that he's made with the group, connection with other people, friendships that have been built. Um, we're designed for relationship. We're designed to do this. When Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden, that was what they were designed to do, to walk with God in the garden of Eve. And there's your garden. And there's Adam and Eve and God. Beautiful image of this perfect garden, this beautiful place that God's made for us. And actually God's so close. Sort of walking along, aren't I? That's right. Um, and um, we're designed to, we were made in the image of God for closeness with him, to be like him. Um, we were given responsibility to care with, for his creation, to work with him in, in making this, this creation. And, and Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven um, being as he would design it. We design for love. Um, and our primary purpose, and I believe this is what Jesus is hinting at in this passage, is that we're, our primary purpose is for relationship 
and actually not for rules, not for the rules that the Jewish teachers had got so stuck into. Our primary rules are good, hear me, rules are good, but our primary purpose is for relationship. The problem with rules, well, there's lots of problems with rules, isn't there? But um, the problem with rules is that sometimes we can come at them with the wrong attitude. If we focus on the rules and not the relationship, we can come at them with the wrong attitude. So some of us, um, I, I suffer from this one, to come at rules with an attitude of fear. You come up motivated by fear. I'm worried about what will happen if I don't keep the rule, and therefore I'm going to keep the rule. Some of us will be coming at the rules um, maybe with pride. I'm going to be the best at this rule and everyone else is going to see that I'm the best and that's going to be good for me. Some of us might come um, at, the, at a rule or at the way we live our lives in comparison. I suffer from this one as well. Oh, golly, that person is doing that so well. Maybe, everyone, maybe I should try and be as good as them. Maybe that's what I need to be doing, sort of comparing ourselves to other people. And, and some of us actually... Maybe sometimes come at rules, come at the things that we do, come at, you know, the trying to be good stuff. Because um, maybe if I'm really, really good, um, God will love me and I'll be worthy of God's love. Or my, whoever in my life will love me. Maybe if I try really hard, I'll be worthy of, of love. And I think all of those things, when you say it like that, they, they, you know they're the wrong reasons. When you say it like that, you know they're the wrong reasons. We still get stuck into these, this, this way of motivating ourselves to live our lives for Jesus from the wrong places. Um, and without love, we're doing it for the wrong reasons. If we're not doing it out of love because we know God's love for us and we long to love him back as a response to that relationship, um, that's what we're designed for. We're not designed just to kind of stick to the rules. We're designed for a relationship with God. Um, now, it wouldn't be a talk by me if there wasn't a Disney reference in it. Anyone seen The Little Mermaid? Right, there's a brilliant bit in The Little Mermaid, quite near the start. Scuttle is the, um, what's it, seagull. And Ariel brings Scuttle uh, an item. It's a fork, actually. Here we go. Oh, that's a terrible fork. There we go. Fork, pitchfork. Um, Ariel brings, finds a fork that's fallen off a boat, and she finds it in the sea. Ariel's the mermaid. And she brings it to Scuttle and says, Scuttle, what is this? And I can't remember. He gives it a stupid name, and I can't remember the name because I haven't had time to look it up on YouTube. But he um, has a look at this fork, and um, you can see the cog's whirring. What am I going to tell Ariel so she thinks I'm correct? And um, he starts brushing his, like, quiff with it, his seagull quiff. He starts brushing his seagull quiff with it. So, okay, it's, that's what it's for. Great. Ariel goes back um, and takes it to her treasure trove. There's a brilliant song called Part of Your World. And she takes it to her treasure trove where she's got all her, like, stuff from the human world that she keeps because she's so fascinated by the human world. And she's got this fork, and she knows it's for brushing her hair. And that's all fine until later in the film she actually gets the opportunity to have dinner with the prince. And there's a fork on the table, and she starts madly brushing her hair with it to try and impress the prince that she knows what this fork is for. And it's ridiculous, isn't it? When you try and use something for the thing that it's not designed for, it is ridiculous. Um, and if we're trying to do our lives in the way that we're not designed, it's ridiculous. We don't always see it because we're clouded by all these things, fear and comparison and worry and trying to be good enough. But actually, it's, it's not the thing we should be doing. We want to be living how we're designed for connection, for relationship. That's what we want to be doing. Um, Jesus knew this relationship with God more perfectly than we ever will on earth. I have expectations in heaven that I'll have a greater understanding one day. Um, but Jesus knew it perfectly on earth as well. Um, Jesus is Jesus knew there was nothing separating Jesus from the Father. 
And it's actually Jesus' love for us that makes it possible for us to know God as closely as that, for us to love God and be loved God, by God in as close a way as Jesus. Because he calls God Father, we can call God our Father. We're his children. And through the cross, we know that Jesus loves us. This is the love that Jesus shows on the cross. That anything that would separate us from God, all those things that the Jews were struggling with, all those things that the rules were put in place to try and sort out, which didn't work, all of those things, we know that those things were dealt with on the cross, that Jesus has um, anything that's sinful or, or holding us back or giving us guilt or making us fearful or making us compare ourselves to others, all those heavy things, we know that on the cross they were left on the cross and done with completely and Jesus rose again from the dead in new life and has new life for us today. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God now, nothing at all. If you trust in Jesus as saviour and Lord, there's nothing that can separate you from God. Forgiveness is freely available, freedom is freely available. We can bring those heavy things to God. And um, that's what the Jews didn't have. They didn't have that. All they had was the rules. They didn't yet have that relationship, that freedom to come to God wherever they are. They had the sacrifices that made them right with God until the next time that something went wrong, when actually we know that Jesus is our perfect sacrifice, the final sacrifice, the last one that's needed. And later we're going to share communion together and remember that together in, as Jesus' sort of body on earth. And we're going to remember Jesus' sacrifice for us, his great love for us on the cross that's made it possible for us to know God. Now, when we think about what go loving God might look like, there is a hint in the passage. Can you go back to the first bit of the passage? Um, from this famous verse from Deuteronomy, this is um, the, the, um, the first bit up from like verse 29, 30. Um, this is a famous verse that all Jews would have said multiple times a day, those who are practicing the law. Um, and there's a few things that it says. And the first thing that it says is, love the God, Lord your God with all your heart. And this, what does this look like for us? Maybe this looks like worship, the way we love God with our actions, with our words, with our singing, with our prayers. Um, maybe it's how we love God with our priorities. If you love someone, you want to spend time with them. You want to spend time enjoying their presence. If any of you have ever experienced that first bit of starting to, what you might think might be falling in love with someone, you want to spend time with them. It's exciting. Um, some of you who will have helped bring up children will know that you want to spend time with them. You, you want to know what's happened to your niece at school this week. You want to know what's happened to whoever it might be in their friendships or at home, what they're learning. You want to keep up with what's going on. You want to spend time with them. So maybe the heart's about how we're spending time with God, how we're loving God, how we're bringing our prayers to God. The second thing Jesus talks about is the mind. He doesn't talk about the mind next, does he? He's talking about the soul next. Soul, you see, I've got that wrong. I'll draw that one in a minute. I've, and I sort of see the soul as the bit of us that lasts forever. That's why I've drawn a little infinity sign. It's the bit of us that's, that's really, truly us. It's uniquely us. It's ourself. It's who we are. It's a tricky word um, to, to 
identify exactly, but I think of that as a, the, the core of who we are. And maybe if we're loving the Lord our God with our soul, maybe that's about our futures, um, our identity, maybe our dreams, that we're, we're giving those things to God. We're letting him shape those things. We're loving God in the way that we do those things, the way that we dream, the way we look at our futures, the way we think about maybe even eternity, that, that trajectory of our, our, the, our deepest self. Then he talks about the mind. And um, the mind, I mean, it's how we think. Um, so maybe the learning we're doing, maybe the stuff that we're reading, maybe the things we're watching on Netflix, maybe um, just being interested in what God's about. If, we've, if we're friends with someone, if we love our friends, we're interested in what they're doing. We're inter- we want to know more about them. We want to know what they think about X, Y, and Z. We're interested in what they spend their time doing. So maybe that's about our, our thoughts and our interest. You know, I, I want to know. I'm inquisitive. I want to know what God's got for me. I want to know who God is. I want to know him better. And then the fourth thing Jesus talks about. Oh, I've missed out the muscle. There you are. Um, is our strength. And this is like the practical stuff. This is getting up in the morning and cracking on. This is um, how we use our gifts. This is how we keep up the love, how we choose to love. Sometimes when, you're, when you love someone, you have to choose to love them. It doesn't just happen magically. Those of you who might have been married for a very long time will know that actually it doesn't, every, you don't wake up every morning. Well, maybe you do. I don't know. Um, <laughs> In my experience, um, you don't necessarily wake up every morning completely ready to serve the other person to do anything that they need within reason, etc., etc., etc. You have to choose to do it. You have to choose to step past grumpy moods in the morning. You have to choose to um, set things aside where you disagree, etc., etc. And actually, with God, um, we can choose to love God. We can choose to cultivate this relationship. We can choose to help it grow. Um, we can choose to put God first with all our strength. And then maybe there's the, the sort of doing stuff as well, the stuff that we do to serve God and to love God. Um, so it's basically our whole selves. Now, I don't think Jesus, when he said this, expected 2,000 years later to us to like pick out these four particular things. He's basically saying it's the whole of you. So anything to do with you that you think you do, you are, it's all of you. I've just gone through those four because it was interesting to think about those. But actually, it's, it's just about all of us. And actually, when we go through it and we step both feet in, when we say, yes, God, I'm in. I want to learn about how to love you. I want to let you love me back. Um, we'll thrive. That's how we'll grow. That's how we'll grow into the people that we're created to be, the people we were designed to be, the way we were designed to live. If we step in and go for it and say, God, look, I'm going to, let, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to trust you with my whole self, and I'm going to give it to you and offer it to you, and I'm going to trust you um, because I know that you love me because of the cross, because of your creation, because of what you've done in my life. I'm going to go for it. Um, this, this stuff is hard. We're all broken, selfish. Well, maybe not you again. I'm a very selfish person. Um, I get easily distracted. I um, try and fix things myself. Um, Lots of things that make it difficult, actually, to love God sometimes when this stuff gets in our way. Oh, we're all there. We're all there, are we there? Okay, we're all there. Um, uh, and uh, just a, a story just from recently. So um, about seven, eight weeks ago, I went to a conference, and a brilliant woman called Charlotte Gamble stood up and um, began her talk by holding her Bible and saying, I love this book. And I just was like, I do not start my talks like that. 
I'm not even sure. I don't even know if I, I, what I even say. Do I even know? I don't know. Now, because I know that I have an issue with comparison, I refuse to let comparison creep in. Um, but that was, the, that was the starting point, maybe. And then I thought, okay, well, what would God do in my life if I did love, love this book so much, if I love God as much as she does? If I, you know, what, what could God do? What would be possible? And, um, and basically, I was like, well, I'm not going to just put more rules in, partly because my life is so full already, I can't possibly put any more rules in my life as it is. Um, and also, that's not what God calls us to. He doesn't cause us to, like, try a bit harder. That's not how he releases love in us. That's not what he does. Um, so I was like, well, I won't do that. Okay, well, I'll just start praying about it. And so basically, every opportunity, whenever someone at the front of church says, let's pray, I'm like, come on, Lord, I need to, I want to, I want to, I want to love you more in this way. I want to, to love you more in my reading of the Bible and the way I spend time with you one-to-one. This is, we all have different challenges when we're loving God. This is one of mine. Um, struggling to spend time with God on my own. It's not, not something I find easy, something I've been working on for many years. And this is another prompt to keep working on it. Keep working on it. Um, and gradually, gradually, I've just done a lot of praying every time in like... If we're like studying the Bible as a staff team, I'm like, oh yeah, it's still I've got a really busy life and I don't know how to spend time with God. Every time I, someone's prayed with me, I'm like, oh, can you just pray about my spending time with God? You know, it's, I just thought like, I'm going to commit to praying for this and see what happens. And actually, eight weeks on, something has shifted. It's not shifted a lot. I still don't start my sermons, as you just heard earlier, by clutching the Bible and saying, I love this book. But actually, I felt something shift in me. Um, about the way that I see the Bible, the way that I'm excited to get stuck into God's Word, um, the even actually like time stuff, which I thought was impossible. God, there's just no more space in my week. Actually, even the time stuff has started to shift. Um, one time we were praying and and about this, and the the lady I was praying with just said, "I really feel God's just saying rest." And I was like, "Oh, that is such a good word for me. I'll claim that." And actually, now in my periods of rest, which is about an hour and a half a week at the moment. Um, I'm just like, right, I'm going to claim that as God time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to absolutely claim that as a time when I can spend time with God whilst I'm doing my resting, my relaxation, that like what we're created to be, to enjoy our lives and to enjoy spending time with God. I've reclaimed that for the Bible. And um, I was doing a discussion with, a, a session with some of our young people last week about the Bible. And it was one of those where we were all like, oh, all of us were like, oh, I don't read it enough. Oh, it's really hard. You know, all of us were like basically feeling that. Then one of the young people got her phone out. Well, I've got this app and look, you can get it to send you a notification once a day and you can choose if it's a picture or just a Bible verse and you can do all these things and you can, and she just like played on her app for a bit. And I was just like, I could actually do that. Even I could actually do that one verse a day. And so things have started to shift just as I've been bringing it to God. I've kept it at the front of my mind. How can I love you more, Lord? How can I do this? It's not about adding more rules. It's not about trying harder, striving. It's about letting God do what he does. Letting God loves us, love us. Letting God in and letting him transform our hearts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And I wonder what your life would look like if you were able to let yourself be loved by God, knowing that you're designed for that relationship and allow yourself for God to teach you how to love him, to show you how to love him, how to shape your life, how to shape yourself, how to make your priorities love him.
Shall we stand together? Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you love us. You love our whole selves. You love all of our stories. You love us no matter what we've been through, no matter what we're going through. I'm going to spend a little bit of time waiting on God now. Sometimes it's helpful for our bodies to match what our hearts and minds are thinking. So you might want to hold your hands out. You might want to shut your eyes so you can focus on the Lord. And we pray, come Holy Spirit. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your love. You come, Holy Spirit. And there might be people here today, just as we're praying, that you're not sure if actually you've you've ever said yes to Jesus. Maybe you came in today not knowing whether you're a Christian or not, or you knew you maybe definitely weren't. And um, we'd love to give an opportunity. I'd love to give an opportunity today for you to say yes to Jesus, to take a step with Jesus. So I'm going to pray a a short prayer, just thank you, sorry, and please, a chance to start that relationship with Jesus, to step into what we were created to be. And if you'd like to say that with me in your heart, you're most welcome. So Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you've made me. Thank you that you know me. Thank you that you've got me. Thank you that you died for me, that you love me so much. You died for me so that I can be free from the stuff that's holding me back, that I can be right with you, that I can know you. And Lord, I'm sorry for where I've got it wrong. I'm sorry for where I haven't loved you. I'm sorry for where I've turned away. Would you forgive me? Would you free me? Would you help me to know that freedom, no guilt, no shame? And Lord, would you please come into my life today? Would you come by your spirit, come into my life, lead me, teach me, show me how you love me, and show me how to love you. And just as everyone's eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or for a really significant time for you, and you'd like to say, yeah, that was me today, I started a new relationship, a relationship that's at the core of my being. I said yes to Jesus today. Would you like to raise a hand just to underline that, to say, yep, that was me. I want to start a fresh law with you today. I just thank you for your grace in this moment that we come to you as people who struggle to keep rules. And we come to you as people who get things wrong and that you welcome us with open arms. We're going to 
move into a time of saying sorry to God as we come towards communion. We've already laid some stuff down today. We've already assessed our hearts today. We've already had a think about what God's doing in us. We've got a prayer on the screen that we're going to pray together. Which says sorry to God and ask him to come and forgive us and lead us. Let's pray together. Father eternal, giver of light and grace, we have sinned against you and against our neighbor in what we have thought, in what we have said and done. Through ignorance, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, we have wounded your love and marred your image in us. We are sorry and ashamed and repent of all our sins for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us all that is past and lead us out from darkness to walk as children of light. Amen. And may almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We're going to continue to say the prayer before communion, then we'll share communion together. So we say, the Lord is here. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And so we pray, accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through Christ, your Son, our Lord. And grant by the power of your Holy Spirit that these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood. Who in the same night that he was betrayed, took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. And he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And we say together, Christ has died. Christ has risen. Therefore, Heavenly Father, proclaiming his saving death and resurrection and looking for his coming in glory, we celebrate with this bread and this cup his one perfect sacrifice. Except through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat this bread and drink this cup, renew us by your spirit. Inspire us with your love and unite us in the body of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. By whom and with whom and in whom we worship you, Father Almighty. Would you sit? And as our Savior taught us. So we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread 
and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.